On a kick out, Baines deflected by Vincent Powell. Got it! Norman Powell! Toronto's playing with. Get after it! Can they sustain it? And Norman Powell from the. With a resounding victory over the Miami Heat, the Raptors improved to a 6-9 and nine performance. Jokes aside, it's the first week this season where the Raptors have ended the week and a winning record. Yes, it was 2-1, to one, but there were signs of improvement and there are signs that Nick Nurse's boys are returning back to normal. Varel, 2-1, win against Miami and a win against Dallas. Is this normal service resumed? Do, have we now gone from tank mode into let's compete at least for those lower playoff seeds? Hello, Kamel. Yes, I think it was an all-round arousing week for the Raptors. And you did talk about the fact that it is 2-1 now. Um, we are actually now for, I believe we've the uh, Raptors have won four of their last five now. Yep, two against Charlotte the, as well. Yeah. Win against the Hornets as well. So we have rebounded as a team since uh, that dismal start and we did say the record didn't quite reflect how well uh, this team had been playing a lot of close games and um, that kind of has continued I mean uh, the wins that we have had again very close games we managed to edge them out of course uh, barring yesterday's game uh, which was a bit more of a blowout which is quite nice to see Um, you know we weren't on the edge of our seats as fans for the first time maybe this season but yeah, I think uh, the team seems to be going in the right direction. Now, there are so many themes to take from all three games. I want to go to the one bad point of the week before we look at the positives, uh, as we like to do. Uh, it's that one loss to Miami, 111-102. And it seemed closer than it was because, of course, Miami didn't have likes of Jimmy Butler, uh, Myers Leonard, Tyler Harrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were missing players. But what was interesting was that the game was extremely close until Eric Spolstra notched his coaching up in the fourth quarter and decided to completely outdo Nick Nurse simply by switching to a 2-3 zone. And with that, suddenly the Raptors looked like they looked like a high school team. They couldn't penetrate at all. And um, it was. Just, I'm not sure how a team that once had so much, so much practice against the zone against Charlotte couldn't break down a very simple two-three zone against against the Heat. Is it just because the Heat are better? Is it maybe because the three-point shooting was off? I mean, it was only 32.7% this game. But from your basketball knowledge, and I want to sort of invoke some of this. What's the key to beating a zone? And is it beatable if someone does it as well as the Heat? Um, put me in a tough spot there, Kamel. I'd say the first thing is about the zone that the Heat play. We actually saw in yesterday's game that it did break down quite a few times. It is something that I wanted to mention, but um, what happened was with the 2-3 zone, you had the two wings who, you know, they usually guard the corner men on the Raptors offense, whoever they may be, basically the two wings on the perimeter there. They pushed forward 
quite to quite a high position when the Raptors were bringing the ball into the offense and Bam as well in the center position he was actually um, not you know he wasn't under the basket he was quite positioned quite high as well and there was actually quite a large breakdown in communication with the Heat def- defense there was I think at least three times where the Raptors simply brought up the ball and the guy on the in the right corner I believe twice it may have been OG Ananobi just made a simple cut to the rim and the um, forward player there then received a lob pass from whoever was was a uh, again for the most part it was Van Vliet so that happened three or four times yesterday where it was really an inexcusable um, lack of concentration really uh, for the zone defence and um, that's one of the big things against that zone defence is it can be really effective in stopping those perimeter shots when you have that 2-3 zone like Miami particularly they're so good at switching out so like even if the uh, Toronto utilize, you know, quick ball movement, it seems like there's always a player in front of them making it difficult to get off those three-point shots. I think that's one of the really big advantages of playing zone defense. And of course, in today's NBA, uh, that's even more useful than perhaps like, you know, um, 10, 15 years ago, which is why maybe it wasn't used as much and why it's seeing a higher percentage of usage now. But, so yeah, to further answer your question, I think when they first were introduced to this, uh, the Toronto team, it did seem like they were a bit lost and clueless, but maybe they had a film session after the first game and then Nick Nurse pointed out some ways to, you know, crack this defence. And you know what, the Tor- Toronto still, they I think they only scored, uh, what was yesterday's score? They only scored 101 points. Um, but... When we look at their percentages, yeah, they ended up shooting 46% from the field and 42% from three. So, um, I, and I, I think the pace yesterday as well, the game was quite slow pace. And maybe it was because the Raptors simply took a little bit more time to try and, um, you know, find the correct play. Because again, another thing with the zone defense is like, sometimes you're just nonstop scrambling. Um, if you try and attack it, you know, with pick and rolls, with the offense, it, you can lead to these uh, mismatches. It can lead to, like I said, this uh, frantic ball movement around the perimeter with the defense chasing. So maybe Toronto just kind of settled things down and just took a little bit more time on offense. And I think that's why they were able to be more effective offensively in the second game. Yeah, I mean, it did seem they even learned within game, uh, but the game was lost when they scored I think one basket in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter um, they ended up scoring I think uh, 17 in the last six minutes and they sort of learned to deal with it but it was extremely difficult and sort of begs the question if you're struggling to nail threes uh, why is Larry shooting one from ten from behind the arc why is Van Vliet shooting three from eight Siakam 0 for three even Terrence Davis I suppose shooting four for nine is alright uh, but someone like Norman Powell one for five um, and the two players who struggled most against the zone were Powell and Boucher, actually. Two heroes of this podcast, of Raptors fans this season. They were minus 17 yeah. on the court. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. next worst was Stanley Johnson minus four. And then everyone was sort of between plus five and minus five. So it was them two, really, who almost by staying on the court contributed heavily to the loss. But as you said, the Raptors must have learned from... Uh, the next time and, and that's why I quite like these double headers because 
uh, as well as obviously reducing travel, reducing the risk of transmission, yeah. they enable teams to almost have a mini series against each other. And even if it's only yeah. two games, it's fun because you can hit back straight away and coaches get a chance to suss each other out. Uh, so it's, it's quite enjoyable. And of course, this next game was extremely enjoyable. It was Raptors, I guess, first comfortable win of the season, 101-81 win on Friday night. Um, top performers in this game, actually OG Ananobi, who as well as scoring 21, got the highest plus minus with uh, plus 22. But I do want to bring up Aaron Baines, actually. this I believe since the first few games of the season, this was the most minutes he's played on the court. He, of course, was one of the, I should mention, he was one of the players who was at least serviceable in that loss, in initial loss to the Heat. He's got mm-hmm. seven rebounds. Uh, rebounds are obviously something that, even as a center, he was losing against smaller players earlier in the season. He got seven rebounds, three assists. That's mainly from, um, I think Nick Nurse has brought him more into the offense and he's learning to do what Gasol did so well in terms of playmaking center. He's not as yeah, good, obviously, yeah. but if he can turn to be a serviceable playmaker, then you know it's an extremely useful tool going forward. And yeah. one thing I saw in that initial game was that he was actually setting very effective screens. And I know Lowry and the likes of Lowry and Van Vliet were missing, but and it seems very basic, but he, he just wasn't doing that earlier in the season. It was weak. It was weak earlier in the season. Fair enough. And um, yeah, I would say it's for me, any player that has come out of the Brad Stevens system is just exceptional at setting screens. I think they must work on it so much in practice. So for me, that was one of his, always one of his big strengths, like on the Celtics, on the Suns. Um, you may be right early in the season. I wasn't really looking out for it, but maybe even that part of his game wasn't as strong as it previously was. So I do agree with you, though. I did notice uh, that also in the last couple of games. Yeah, but look, and he looked extremely strong. This was definitely his best game in a Raptors jersey. Played 23 mm. minutes and, okay, the points aren't showing up on the box score. He went one from five, one for five from the field. But six rebounds, an assist, two steals and two blocks and a plus five rating on the court shows how he contributed. And it brings, back, brings it back to a discussion we had earlier about Nick Nurse needing to use traditional big men in certain matchups. He can't just go with Boucher, uh, Stanley Johnson and OG in sort of a small ball slash yeah. skinny ball lineup. Um, in the case of Boucher, of course. When, you, when you're facing yeah. someone like Adebayo, you've got to put a strong body on him, right? I mean, not only a strong Absolutely. body, like, not only a sturdy guy, but a tall player like Aaron Baines. And uh, it seems, it see, again, it seems very basic, but if he can fulfill that role, if he can play 20 serviceable minutes when he needs to, I think he's worth keeping. Because, of course, one thing we didn't mention is Alex Len got waived very early last week. And everyone thought maybe the Raptors are now in the market for another centre. Of course, the deadline is still a while away. I'm not not sure of the exact date, but there still could be a move before then. And uh, who knows, maybe that's motivated Baines to play for his place in a Raptors jersey. Because there were there were there's rumours rumours still flying about that, you know, let's go for Jarrett Allen or one of the Cavs big men. Uh, their seemingly right. endless roster of big men. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 I feel I feel good I feel good for Baines feel good for the Australian he's managing to fit in a little better here because it was a really yeah. really shaky start um, for this um, anything else you noticed in this game I mean it was I just thought it was interesting how all the Miami starters were just completely held in terms of shooting from the floor 22% they shot from three 
and that wasn't due to them that was due to suffocating Raptors defense um, which was of course his trademark of Nick Nurse and yeah, yeah. Um, I did I, there's one thing again I think talking about how effective Baines was but in both games Adebayo shot um, basically identical numbers 6 of 14 6 of 13 at 14 points in both not inefficient but when you are by far and away the star player in the team you he really probably going into the games was looking to score you know 25 30 points to try and uh, get the win for his team so um the thing with what you were talking about Kamel, make sure you've got a sturdy defender in the post means you can't just dump the ball down to Adebayo and just um for him to back up his defender make an easy hook shot lay up even dunk he was having to rely more so on his um, mid-range game and shooting just generally from the outside, which, you know, as a Raptors fan, you're happy for him to take those shots. He is, for a, a big man, he's very good from the mid-range, but with the, you know, the increased analytics in the game as well, um, I believe I heard this quote yesterday. Somebody said, unless you're a 45% mid-range shooter, you should basically be shooting no mid-ranges at all. So um, if we're limiting Adebayo to those kind of shots, I think we're happy. If we're limiting to him to an output of 14 points, we're happy. Um, and one last point in both those games, it was quite interesting to see Kendrick Nunn um, had two very good games off the bench for the Heat in both those games. He had uh, 28 points in the win and 22 points in the loss. And he shot very efficiently in both games. And to me, it's very, very surprising that uh, Gabe Vincent has actually been starting for them while, you know, they've been suffering these injuries. And um, this was a player who um, played predominantly in the G League for the Heat last year, and he was an exceptional three-point shooter. But I think what Coach Spolstra has said, I think he said in an interview like two days ago, is that he actually does a lot of things very well. He finishes at the, at the rim well. Um, handles the ball very well um also plays very good defense and is able to switch on multiple players because he's he's on the taller side for a uh, point guard as well i think he's six three so that might even be taller than kendrick nunn who's quote unquote labeled as a shooting guard right so um playing him alongside dragage they it does seem that both of them have got good chemistry so you know despite the good things that um Spolster thinks about vincent it's so surprising that none who had such a good breakout season last year is still relegated to the bench despite all these injuries he's probably surprised himself in this role. maybe he suits that role and that's what seemed uh, the case seems to be in the last two games he still paid over 35 minutes in both games despite coming off the bench so maybe that will continue to be his role uh, once Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero come back as well. Yeah, no, good point. I just wanted to bring back to your point about the big men. I mean, it's almost been a season for big men just in the last two nights. Uh, well, yesterday we saw uh, Boogie, 28 and 17, because guess, yeah. who, guess who he was facing? He was facing Willie Cauley-Stein. And yeah, they were yeah. forced to put Boban on then, who notoriously is not a great defender, but at least he then scored 15 and 12. He was able to slightly match up with Boogie, who still dominated the game. We saw uh, yeah. Clint Capella get 10 blocks a couple of nights ago. You know, it, it, it's having... Every roster who's serious needs to have at least one big man who can, you know, compete. 
So it, it's interesting Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to bring up uh, just a couple more quick points about this Miami series. One, um, of course, last night, well, the Saturday night win, Lowry had a foot infection, uh, which we haven't got more information about, but it sounds strange nonetheless. Um, but it meant Norman Powell started with Van Vliet, and we have just been pushing for this for ages in terms of running Larry with the bench and running Norm with the starters. Because when Norm goes with the starters, he ends up top scoring on the team. 23 points, uh, 10 from 18 from the field, and was just an absolute monster, especially in that first half. So it's a lesson. I mean, we've seen the evidence. We've seen the evidence, and it's something that Nick Nurse just has to consider, or maybe he'll be forced to if Larry's dealt at a close to the deadline. Who knows? And the last one is Terence Davis. Davis, of yeah, course, was I thought one you were going to mention him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was one of the only people who showed up against that zone defense. Um, he actually scored 16 in 24 minutes uh, in the loss, and then on Saturday he scored 12 points, shooting five for ten. And he's looking very exciting. He's still very raw, but he should be given chances, especially in a season like this. Just give him Definitely. minutes, you know, especially when the likes of uh, Powell maybe or Siakam aren't contributing. Throw him in, throw him in, and of course. We saw, the, we saw the return of Matt Thomas. Three games, three minutes, but uh, he's back. So um, glad to hear he's nice to alive and kicking. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't think we need to touch too much on the Mavericks game. It was very depleted. Mavericks side, they'd just been blown out by the Bulls the night before. Second night of a back-to-back. Um, kept Doncic very quiet. But apart from that, it was just an efficient win, thanks to Kyle Lowry and Chris Boucher. Pharrell, um, rest of the league. Mm-hmm. What have you seen around the yes, NBA? Yes, Camille. Yes. Yes. Um, some quite interesting things have happened in Brooklyn in the past couple of days. I mean, seeing the aftermath of that trade, we've seen the first, those first few initial games with the big three, as they've been dubbed. I mean, uh, we talked last week about how we thought this roster would go. I think pretty much unanimously, we all said, yep, this team seems to be a cert to go to the finals. I, I think apart from... Uh, Mr. Samuel Jeffries, who uh, had Philly as his favourite in the East. But um, some of the things I talked about, some of the losses, you know, sorry, the losses of uh, Jarrett Allen and Karis Levert, the fact that they would actually impact the team rather heavily, they seem to transpire in these games. This team looks like uh, Bournemouth, of uh, this is Bournemouth, they're a Premier League team. And uh, this team, two, three years ago, sorry, they're no, no longer a Premier League team, but when they were in the Premier League, you could pretty much guarantee most of their matches were finishing 3-2, 3-3, 4-3. The point I'm making is they score goals for fun, or in this case, they score baskets for fun with the Nets, but they leak a ridiculous number of points. And that has been the absolute case in these games so far. And I recommend that everyone checks out b-ball breakdown i've mentioned the youtube channel before coach nick is just an amazing youtube channel and he breaks down that Cavs game where sexton just went off in that double overtime scoring 22 points and the number of breakdowns in that brooklyn nets defense was ridiculous and the main culprit for this unsurprisingly was kyrie irving who you just did he did some inexplicable inexplicable things on defense at one point he just ran into larry nance on a screen when there was absolutely no need for him to um missed assignments failure to rotate lack of effort hustle just 
it was pathetic. Um, and the thing is, he is a capable defender. He, he has done a decent job when he's um, when he was in the finals against uh, Golden State. But the way he's looking right now, currently defensively, any time that you have an athletic um, point guard who's dribbling against Kyrie, it seems like it's almost a free runaway to the paint area. Kyrie puts up the bare minimal effort to stop them. And it's almost like he doesn't want to be embarrassed. He kind of just gives up because he's like, oh, well, if I make more of an effort, I might, you know, trip over or fall over and look stupid. So he makes a bare minimum effort and, and then just gives up. Do you think he's um, meshing with Harden and Durant? I know we talked about his return, but do you think he's fitting in well? They're obviously, the three top scorers. <laughs> but how do you think o- that... Offensively, certainly, Kamel. But defensively, how, how much can you mesh with defense? I mean, you can work on like things like transition defense, but like these kind of lapses, it doesn't matter who your teammates are. You've got a job slash assignment and you need to do it. You don't. It doesn't require... Kevin Durant to tell you what to do and where to go. I would have thought if you'd been injured out for this long, the majority of your time should be spent on film sessions, trying to learn, okay, this is what I need to do, this is where I need to go, especially on the defensive end. So I, I think it's, it is just inexcusable for him to be playing this poorly. Maybe it is just the fact that he spent more time partying in the past like couple of weeks than... Um, playing basketball games. I don't know what the reason is, but he needs to step up because he's definitely capable of better than this. And what do you think of their lack of a... I'm not, I'm not going to insult DeAndre Jordan, but their lack of a real contending big man. Uh, is that the reason why, for example, they got dominated with a couple of losses to Cleveland, who of course now have Jarrett Allen and Andre Drummond? Um, they're playing Jeff Green at the four and the five, of course, more traditional... Uh, small forward Jeff Green yeah. uh, it's been difficult yeah. for him and of course Jordan can't necessarily play 35 minutes a game and start for a contending team um, is that just the way the Nets are going to go this year just rely on their big three and just give up on the in the post or can they grab someone maybe an, I suppose Alex Glenn has already signed for Washington but uh, can they grab someone who can do a job against those centers I honestly don't know Kamel I don't know what the agency market looks like for bigs. I don't know what potential trades they have, but you know they've already got huge contracts. So what else can they also really give up? I mean, they already gave up the house for the Harden trade. They don't really have any picks left. So who else on that roster are they willing to give up? I mean, yeah, they they're now they find themselves in a very tough situation, and they're still they still have a ten eight record. If they had got those wins against the Cavs, they would be basically at the top of the conference. But that's ifs and buts and maybes. Like they, they didn't get those wins and I I would be surprised honestly in the next ten games to see them limit any team to less than a hundred points in a game. Well to be fair and that they have includes haven't... like the bottom feeders of both conferences. They haven't scored less than 115 points in the last well since almost well since the trade went through so I mean they're, yeah. they're delivering you said on the offense they're just scoring more than the opposition at this point or well, that's their attempt and I think anyone who watched the last three minutes of the game against Milwaukee will testify to that because it was just it was beautiful actually it was Giannis it was and Middleton versus uh, Harden and Durant it was just great I mean I yeah. absolutely love that 
So uh, yeah, no. Both teams were just making their shots, weren't they, Kamel? It was just yeah. shot, 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 shot. It was brilliant. That's I mean, that's the way basketball is meant to be played. You know, none of this. Yeah. Uh, Nick Nurse, Eric Spolstra, hard defense, zone defense. Now nah, we just want to <laughs> see them going at it like each other, both trying to win. Of course, I guessed, yeah. but um, yeah. Uh, you want you also had some words to say about Denver, I believe. Yeah, I, I've wanted to ask you a question first, leading Please. into this topic, Kamel. What have you thought of Jokic's performance so far? I mean, I can, I can guess what your answer is going to be, but I'd still like to hear it from your coming out of your mouth. Was your was was your answer that he's playing at MVP level so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, just take a quick look at the stats just to furnish it. Twenty five point eight points a game, twelve rebounds, which includes three and a half offensive rebounds, almost ten assists a game, uh, two steals, and uh, get to block every two games. So that's this 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 guy is basically averaging a triple double um, yep. with 26 points, which is phenomenal um, in this sort of team. Has, has he? Is this a significant step up? What, what are you What are you putting it down to? You putting it down to coaching roster? Because um, their roster is pretty similar to last year. Maybe not. Maybe his own development. What are you saying? Well, firstly, um, Murray has been kind of banged up all the season. He has played, uh, I think, every game bar one. He has played 35 minutes a game, but he's still slightly unhealthy. So the offense has had to run even more through Jokic. I think he's got a 25, 26% usage rate. Not, not can I, sure. Can I just give a stat before you carry on? Yeah, go for it. So they've they've played 16 uh, 16 games so far. Mm-hmm. Jokic has led them in points and rebounds and assists in nine of those games. And in the other games, he's at, he's led them in at least one or two categories. But he led them in all three in nine of those games. So uh, and, I just wanted to find that, give that stat. No, no, it's, it's such an important point to make. And I think he's also among the league leaders in steals. You said the 1.9 steals a game as well. Um, ridiculous. I mean, ever since, was it last year when he had that transformation where, um, or was it over this offseason where he did lose a considerable amount of weight? Um, I think it may have been before the bubble last year. Uh, he lost like 20, 25 pounds. And that made such a huge difference because he's still clearly capable of being effective in the post as he was before. Um, his post games is, has always been about um, a mixture of, you know, his strength, but also his finesse, his footwork, his touch. So despite, you know, losing that 15, 20 pounds, he's still fantastic in the post. but. He's. It's meant that he's just every single other area of his game has uh, just developed significantly, or just improved significantly because he's just lighter-footed, able to move his feet a bit more on defense. Clearly, he's you know the number of steals he's getting as well. He's doing a job on the defensive end. He's still an under the below average defender, I'd say, just because he's still incredibly slow on his feet uh, when it comes to moving his feet, but. Um, you know, defense is not all about you know keeping up with the guards on the perimeter as a big man. It's still you know having that physical presence in the post, which he's always had. But um, I mean, his passing—you don't need to talk about his passing. He's an absolutely incredible passer. I'd say he's probably my best passer in the league. That's a debate we can have well, for another time. Well, the good stat is that the, um, with his passing, the Nuggets are averaging 72.7% effective field goal rate when they take 
jumpers off Jokic's passes. So um, it's yeah. 18% higher than the average player. So it shows how well he, the positions that he manages to find them in. You know, it's exactly. not just about getting those assists, about handing someone off who takes a contested three. It's real. It's real playmaking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this team started off seven and seven with Jokic putting up these kind of numbers, but they just got Michael Porter Jr. back um, from a. I think he missed maybe a month's worth of play. Um, and yeah, like I said, Murray wasn't performing quite as well as he should have been. They've also had a tough schedule, so. All things bearing all things in mind, they are at a nine and seven record, but I do just expect to see them. I had them as my second seed uh, at the end of uh, you know the regular season, so I still think they're on trajectory for that. Um, it's still very much a possibility for this team. So yeah, this Nuggets team has been Mr. Jokic. Whether he or not he gets enough MVP votes probably depends on what their record will be. Um, by the time the All-Star game rolls around. So again, we don't know if it's in February or March as of yet, but um, if they're, you know, second or third in the conference, he's certainly going to be one of the favourites. Yep, no, you can't argue with that. Um, One thing I did want to bring up with Jokic um, is that, can you guess what his mid-range jumper percentage is this year? I'll give you a clue, it's absurd. I did see that somewhere. I, I saw that statistic somewhere come out. I think it was... 60% 60% or over 60%? Yeah, yeah. It's 62.5%. And I think he's been yeah. compared... I think the only person who's really hit similar to that for the amount of shots they both take is Curry in his in the 2017-2018 season. The only wow. player to hit 60% or better from mid-range, um, which is phenomenal. Unbelievable. So that... So what, think, what's he been sh- shooting from three? He's been shooting 35% from three, which yeah, is respectable. Yeah, he's been fine from three. I mean, that, that's all you want, right? You, I mean, he does his work mainly inside, but... You, yeah. you don't want players to just stuff the pain. You want him to. He's, he's enough of a threat to, for that not to happen. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Nikola Jokic. Uh, he's the. It's. It, uh, I, I keep. I think we keep coming back to the year of the big man here. You know, uh, whether it be the yeah. traditional post-up player or uh, the kind of modern playmaking, uh, three-shooting player. Uh, I think every team is just looking for one. I think, yeah, it used to be, it used to be guards used to be the uh, the gold dust of the league. Now it's, now it's and, and I'd say in the past couple of seasons, it's been three and D um, forwards, hasn't it? And wings. And oh, now yeah. I, I completely agree with you, Kamel. The number, the four or five who can also shoot threes now seems to be that golden commodity for a lot of these teams. Yep. Um, and I think, unless there's any other business, I believe we'll end it there. I mean. We'll just go through the next week for the Raptors. Tonight, actually, so shortly after this podcast is released, they're going to go for a couple of games, a mini-series at Indiana. Uh, and then they'll have a tough game. I say their first big test is against Milwaukee on Thursday. See if the Raptors can carry on their momentum or whether uh, it's back to mediocrity. And then should be a pretty basic fixture against the Kings next uh, Saturday. Oh, sorry, next Friday. Mm. So... We'll see. Uh, basic. You disagree. I don't you disagree. Basic, okay, I know, I know Darren yeah. Fox has been putting up numbers, but and Halliburton as well. But we'll see. They're a decent we'll team. See. Yeah, they're a decent outfit, and I think we'll bring you all the reviews and analysis of that next weekend. But for now, I think we should say farewell and enjoy the six to nine record because you'll never see Actual it again. Next week, everyone. Yeah. <laughs>